things we discussed and reviewed. The church has many connectional ministries, and I'd like to just highlight a few. The first one I'd like to highlight is the Commission on the Status and Role of Women. The role of, of this mission is to challenge the United Methodist Church at all levels to work uh, for the full equal participation of women in the total life of the domination, including ordination of women, equal access to policies and, and policy making, recognition that Jesus Christ uh, called men and women alike to salvation, liberation, discipleship, and service in the church. This year marked the 60th anniversary of the women's ordination in the Methodist Church and the 40th year of this particular organization. <laughs> Denise, was that you? <laughs> Another ministry we had to do with criminal justice and mercy ministries. Matthew 25, 37 says, I was in prison and you visited me. And these are words that the criminal justice and mercy ministries takes to heart. In 2015, uh, the Exodus House of Oklahoma served 28 residences. Uh, 18 were male, 10 were female, as well as 17 weekend visiting children and 12 children living on site. It was stated that uh, Oklahoma has the highest use of meth in any other state. I thought that was rather remarkable and disappointing. Another mission was that of the Skyline Urban Ministry in Oklahoma City. Their food resources, and listen to this, their food resource center serves an average of 300 residences per week. 300 per week. And distributed over 530,000 pounds of groceries. Can I say the word incredible again? That's absolutely incredible. And that's all coming from, our, from the Methodist Church. Their eye clinic provided over 1,200 free eye exams and over 1,000 pair of glasses. Another mission was that of Circle of Care. They provide Christian help, healing, and hope to children and families in, uh, in crisis and ensure the safe, healthy, and spiritual future. Oklahoma Minor uh, in Tulsa is another mission. Uh, the mission of the Oklahoma um, Methodist Minor is to improve quality for seniors by providing housing, nutrition, and health care services that meet the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of each other. OMM serves 380 people encompassing independent residential living, assisted living, nursing, both residential and rehabilitative care, and skilled memory care. I think I could use that. Another mission was that of the Neighborhood Services Organization. This group helps 72,000 people encouraging independence through uh, safe home environments, dental care, and nutrition. The last mission I'd like to mention is that of the service ministry, and that's to assist churches in their mandate to, of disciples and transforming to the good. This is just a 30,000-foot snapshot of what was discussed over four days. There's many missions and many things that we need to be proud of. And as Methodists, I'm very proud of the missions that is brought to Oklahoma by this group. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. I've often wondered why it is on Memorial Day that Methodists always start with that conference, but uh, that seems kind of masochistic to me. But um, 
the truth is uh, we value lay people being a part of it, and a clergy and lay delegate uh, are, are a part of that from every church. And uh, it, it is amazing to see all that our church does together. I think for about 14% of our annual budget, all kinds of ministries happen all over the state and all over the world. It's a, a small investment compared to the fruit that we know from it, and uh, the things that we do together are fantastic. Um, l- let me just say further that uh, this issue of sexuality and gender is something that our church has been talking about since the 1970s at General Conference. Um, our General Conference, our global conference, which includes the United Methodist Church in Africa and South Africa and the Philippines, where the church has really exploded. Right now, the church that we have been a part of seeding as missionaries over the last year is now growing to be larger than the United States delegation in church. Um, and in a lot of ways, uh, the world church brings a lot of health to um, our, our church as a whole. I, I really value the global nature of our church uh, and what we experience because of it. Um, but this last general conference, when it came to issues of ordinate, uh, ordaining homosexuals, practicing homosexuals as uh, ministers in the church or same-sex marriage, all that kind of stuff in, in our society today, the same kind of polarization that's happened in our society we're seeing within our church, um, particularly on the West Coast and the East Coast, the Northern Illinois Conference um, said at the end of that general conference that it didn't matter what the United uh, Methodist Book of Discipline says, our covenant that we all follow as uh, a denomination, uh, they were going to ordain practicing homosexuals anyway. That would not be any source of discrimination for them in the process. And we are reaching a point where uh, the church has held its position as all all people being of sacred value and worth to God of the same, uh, just as uh, worthy of love and acceptance and inclusion as any one of the rest of us. We all are recipients of that same grace. And yet there's a difference in the church, a very sincere difference in the church, as what it means to love uh, our brothers and our sisters um, of the LBG, whatever those initials are, uh, community. I never get it right. Um, There. There is those of us who believe that to love as Christ loves means to take seriously the biblical uh, references to homosexuality being part of our brokenness, Um, that it's a sinful behavior. And we still believe that God uh, is very inclusive. We believe in the all-inclusive promise of transformation for every sinner, including myself. And we consider it a loving thing to love our uh, gay and lesbian friends, transgendered, whatever. Um, It's becoming more and more complex, but we love the same. Um, And that love is non-negotiable. That's what Christ calls us to do. Um, But is it loving just to endorse that? Or does the Bible call us to a redemptive kind of love with one another? Um, Is homosexuality a sin? Or is it something to be sanctioned and celebrated? And the church is not of a common mind about that. In fact, the church is getting more and more polarized over that. So much so that the liberal side of the church is now becoming so frustrated that the, the, 
the approach of the United Methodist Church has not changed and didn't look to be, uh, looked less likely to be changed at this general conference than ever, um, that a implicit threat of rebellion against the discipline is upon us. Um, so how do we deal with that as loving brothers and sisters? Um, there's a very real possibility that uh, the resolution of this may someday be that these two bodies of the church allow each other to part and, and follow their own conscience. And I, I hope as a United Methodist minister that that is what happens. I hope we don't get caught in some kind of legal battle where whoever has a majority punishes those who are the minority. I don't think that will be helpful. I don't think that's in our heart as Methodists. We don't want to do that, but we do want to release each other to be faithful, to follow our consciences, to be faithful to God. And so I I don't know how that's going to work itself out. Um, Hopefully we've learned from other denominations that came to that impasse and were surprised by it. And there was a lot of carnage and difficulty and uh, where property matters then lie and all that kind of stuff. And we we want to walk through that, hopefully, uh, having gained some wisdom of how... uh, painful that can be. Uh, It would be irresponsible for us, I think, not to be um, considering ways that we can do that in a way that leaves churches healthy and whole to progress. And we are not irresponsible. I can't say anything more about those uh, tentative plans that are being made to try to be a safety net for all of this. But I can tell you this, um, that I, as your pastor, am completely committed to following Christ, whatever he calls us to do, and however difficult that might be, I believe that the Spirit will work with those who are faithful to him and to his calling. And so however difficult it might become, um, that will always be my pursuit. And uh, in the end, it's not what is said of me before men that matters most to me. It's what is said of me when I stand before God. And uh, what that means is we're going to find a way to be biblical, to be faithful to Christ, and come to love with a greater richness and a greater power than the church has ever known. I think that's what he's calling us to. I don't know the path by which we'll get there, but I'm confident that that is what the Spirit is doing in the church right now. And, and, and so as you hear political developments or, or this or that story uh, shared in the news, just take that all with a grain of, of salt. God is still on the throne. <laughs> and, and we need not worry. We really need not worry. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll let that work itself out. The Council of Bishops... We're asked to lead in this regard because the conference was in such an impasse. And the bishop said, well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll glean together a representative bunch. And over the next two years, we'll look at our language on sexuality and every way that it's expressed in the discipline. And hopefully we'll find a way that both unifies us and is, is less offensive and all that sort of stuff. And how we articulate this. Uh, and that's a great goal. We've been working at that for almost 50 years now. And there hadn't been a whole lot of movement. So what, don't share this with anybody else, but if you want to know my take on this, we just kicked the issue down the can about two years. 
you know, kicked the can down the road about two years. Uh, but I, 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 would, I would praise God, but I would really be amazed if a committee of men that were not just touched by the Holy Spirit could resolve this issue for us. Um, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, uh, so, so in two years from now, we'll, we'll probably be faced with some, some decisions, some discernment, um, some need for clarity as to how this will all move forward. And I can't look into my crystal ball and tell you how that's going to work out. Uh, but I'm confident. I'm confident in the end we can honor God and we can honor one another. And, uh, and we will come to love our gay and lesbian and transgender friends more than we ever have. We're going to find a way to do that and yet be biblical and Christ-like in the process. Uh, God's going to show us that way. It's not apparent to men. Um, But I appreciate your patience with us, and uh, I want to keep you informed. Um, uh, Even in the uncertainty, I want to keep you informed as your pastor, just so that you're walking through this with us and with me uh, and I with you. Uh, It's a time for us to feel free to talk about these issues. And uh, you'll probably find even within our own congregation that people have different sensitivities, different experiences, uh, different ways of approaching this. And uh, keeping our dialogue loving and connected and engaged with one another, even within our church, is going to be key over the next several years. So I invite you to do that, to be who you are um, as followers of Jesus Christ. Perhaps now more than ever, Your leadership and uh, the paths that you choose are going to be things that determine history. So uh, I thank you for that. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, for all that your spirit is doing within our church, we give you thanks. For all the ways, Lord God, that, that we miss that, that we misinterpret that, that we've made mistakes, Father, we ask for your forgiveness. We acknowledge that we are people of flesh and humanness and brokenness, and sometimes we see through that lens, a lens darkly rather than through the absolute lens of clarity and truth with which only you can reveal to us. And God, we ask for your wisdom. We pray for your love to evermore shape the way that we live with one another. And we pray also, God, that in the end, we will have been faithful to your redemptive dream and hope for one another. Help us to stand with one another as we are all sinners in recovery. Help us to be that kind of community, Lord God, that someday gives praise to you for all that we know that you have done in our midst. We invite you to come this morning to continue your work in our hearts and in this place. And we pray for the United Methodist Church and all of its brokenness and difficulty right now, Lord God. We thank you for the witness that continues, all the good that's being done. And we pray, Father, that you would preserve your church as you promise it will. We thank you that you have told us that the gates of hell will not stand against those who confess you as Jesus, as as Lord and as Savior. Uh, of this world. So God, we trust you even more than we trust ourselves. And because we know you're in the midst of it, we can have peace and live with power. Show us your way. Be with us this morning as we worship. You are our God. And we are so glad it's so. We worship you. 
In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Three, I want you to say your name. And let's listen for how different it sounds. One, two, three. Chris. There's our unifier. Our Christ, our Savior. That's why we lift him up. In him is our hope. In him is our wholeness. In him is our present, our past, and our future. In him we live and breathe. Lord God, we praise you this morning. As the great life giver and unifier that you are, live in us, your church, we pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all people said, Amen. Now I want you to remain standing for just a second as our Belize teams come forward. Where are our Belize missionaries? Wherever you guys, they're going to be headed off to Belize. Come quickly. This, uh, this next week, uh, they'll be heading down, staying now in a dormitory that teams like this have built over the years. The mission work continues to um, add upon itself down there. Now there is a... Um, a dormitory, not only for our mission team to stay in at a much reduced expense, but all year round, teams like this can come into that area and pour Jesus out uh, there. So the work continues to expand and to grow, and we give God thanks for that. As willing hands like these have again and again gone down there simply saying, God, use me. And he's going to again in practical ways, in miraculous ways. As his spirit goes with them and before them. You are the church with them. Would you extend your hands towards these missionaries this morning? And let's pray over them. Lord God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to rest upon these, your missionaries. Father, we thank you that you do perfect work with imperfect vessels and through vessels just like these. And so, God, we go to lift your name up. That your love and that your life might be seen among us and available to all that these interact with. From the moment they go to the airport, Lord God, I pray that you would open doors before them by the power of your spirit, prearranged opportunities, that their conversations, that their interactions might bless, bless with your kingdom those that they encounter. We thank you, God, that this is a work done in your spirit and by your power. Thank you, Lord God, for inviting these into it. And we pray that they would return with testimonies of how you met them right where they were. That they became priests, representing you to people and holding up people to you. Work in mighty ways, Lord God. Reveal yourself through them. Protect them. Empower them. In the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's give these folks a hand. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We come this morning for communion. And communion was based on the Passover, which was always a community meal. It was before a trip that was even bigger than the Belize mission. In Egypt, those who had been slaves for centuries by the power of God were being released to a new life with him. And on that night, they gathered in their homes. And 
under the instruction of, of Moses and the Holy Spirit, they put blood over their doors, the blood of a lamb that they had uh, feasted on as a family the night before. And that one lamb was the strength that sustained them on their journey going forward. That one lamb. Behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And when John the Baptist said that, he was looking upon our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's still the power that can live within all of us, that unites us, that works through us before every journey, the journey of life. He is what prepares us and what sustains us through it. Come this morning to feed on that grace, on his promises, to know his power and his presence in your life. This meal is meant for that filling. Bring your emptiness. Confess your sins. Choose his way instead of your own. And a new journey will open up before all of us. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread and he broke the bread and gave thanks to the Father. And he said to his disciples, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to you, our Father, and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink from this, all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord God, remembering you, not what we do, but what you have done for us. We celebrate the work that your cross established for all time. And we invite the inbreaking of your kingdom, which it inaugurated in this world. Make us missionaries of it, agents of it, wherever we go. Fill us so with your love that it overflows. Help us drink so deeply from the fountain of your grace that we become mobile fountains of grace wherever we go. We pray that your life would be lived through ours as we give them to you. We thank you that you give yourself fully to us. And so we pray, Lord God, as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord's table is set for you.